Testing, testing. <coughs> present. Charlie present. Pip. I'm here. Always present. Uh, well, that's ever okay. ever watchful. That's a sleepless, right. an eye without a lid, on podcast. All right. Uh, with that out of the way, um, let's get started. So this is All Rings Considered, episode forty. We are on book four, chapter seven, Journey to the Crossroads. Short chapter, short and sweet. I actually don't have too much to say about this, like legitimately. I feel like I say that a lot, and then we actually have a bunch to say. We end up talking I for do. like two hours about <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I just sincerely don't actually only have a couple notes here. Uh, to summarize it real quick, literally the hobbits in Gollum journey to the crossroads. Uh, so they leave Faramir. They travel to the crossroads, which is a road that um, either that can go one of four ways, right? Either north from where they were. You could go south toward the sea and the south Gondor roads. They could go to the west to Minas Tirith, or in this case, Osgiliath, I think would be the closest city, excuse me. Or they can go east to Minas Morgul, which is the way they are going, because that's what is going to get them into Mordor. Um, they go to these crossroads. It's ominous. It's scary. And yeah, that's about it. Uh, the chapter kind of ends when they get to that point. And there's a nice little moment at the end of the chapter, but I'm not going to summarize it. Instead, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure, in our discussion of the chapter. So, Pip, right. Pip you want to start us off today? and. Uh, Sure. Talk to you. What are your thoughts? Uh, so I like this chapter actually quite a bit. Um, it is, it's just a very short chapter. Um, but I think what I've noticed uh, in this reading, uh, one effect of reading very uh, slowly, so just kind of one chapter a week, I think I have noticed more of the smaller um, forgotten places in Middle Earth. Yeah. So everybody remembers what Gondor is like, or like, ah, uh, it's Lothlorien, what a, you know, beautiful place. But you spend barely half a chapter at, you know, this this place on the west of Mordor, and it's wonderful, actually. So I've been spending a week being here, right? And yeah. I think there's some really cool things. This chapter does have, I mean, so I think this chapter is, is a contender for most new words about different types of plants and uh, nice. mountain formations. Um, I learned a word. Uh, ilix is, and an ilix is a type of tree. Uh, it's a type of oak tree. But more seriously, there is um, this. Uh, there's this quiet right upon mm -hmm. the land that uh, the dark travelers are on. I have a quote: "No living creature, beast, or bird was to be seen, but in those open places, Gollum grew afraid, and they walked now with caution, flitting from one long shadow to another." And it's this quiet before the storm explicitly mentioned in the chapter but this very still lifeless well not completely lifeless but no no beasts area and i think it's it's actually really great and gets forgotten i have a couple notes uh there's interesting we were talking about um the characterization of Gollum. uh in this chapter Gollum, he doesn't sleep he doesn't eat um mm. it's yeah Gollum is he's very much not human uh in a way those parts are highlighted uh, we have Sam has a dream. Uh, he has a dream that he is back in the Shire and is overrun with brambles, and he is looking for something. He has a heavy pack, and he's actually looking for his pipe. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah, this is a great moment. I forgot about yeah. this. Yes, and uh, I, I actually don't really have anything to say about this particular dream. Dream. It, I mean, to me, it's very like Sam sees the uh, the state of the Shire and he thinks to himself, what you know, what work he has to do uh, because he's the gardener. 
Um, and what he's okay. actually looking for is his pipe. And it seems as if Sam's character is often looking for the enjoyment of life. So there is, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to describe it as a silver lining, but, uh, well, you're here, so enjoy yourself. I don't know if, I wonder if it connects with that line he repeats from the gaffer. Uh, he says that his gaffer used to tell him where there's life, there's hope. And I wonder if Sam's pipe is his little bit of hope. Um, but so even though he can't actually smoke it, it's still, it's, the pipe itself isn't life, of course, but Sam himself, his presence in where he is, is the life and right. is the hope. Yeah, I wonder if there's a connection there. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I think that, that leads me to my one big takeaway here, which is that at the end, we had this really interesting moment where they see this old, this old statue of a, of a human king's head. It's like a stone statue. And it's been defiled and vandalized by various orcs. And um, the head is like on the ground instead of on the top of, you know, of course, somebody's body. And there's this moment, though, where it says, Suddenly, caught by the level beams, Frodo saw the old king's head. It was lying rolled away by the roadside. Look, Sam, he cried, startled into speech. Look, the king has got a crown again. The eyes were hollow, and the care excuse me, the eyes were hollow, and the carven beard was broken, but about the high stern forehead there was a coronal of silver and gold. A trailing plant with flowers like small white stars had bound itself across the brows, as if in reverence for the fallen king, and in the crevices of his stony hair yellow stone crop gleamed. They cannot conquer forever, said Frodo, and then suddenly the brief glimpse was gone. The sun dipped and vanished, and as if at the shuddering of a lamp, Black Knight fell. Ah, oh, I love that. What a great moment. Great yeah. chapter ending, too. Again, Tolkien, king of chapter endings every time. I love this moment, though. It's incredible, because there's a lot going on here. When I first read this moment, I'm thinking, like, what? This seems like a bit of a contradiction. I mean, right, Frodo sits here, and he gets this, this bit of hope. It, it's a visual sign of hope, I suppose. And he says, they cannot conquer forever. But then they do, right? Like, the darkness falls and it's gone. Right. And so, like, was Frodo wrong? So there's a lot to think about here. Reading this chapter in the context of this podcast has me thinking about the Window on the West chapter where we talked about Tolkien using this book to play with the idea that everything is temporary. Everything is ephemeral, no matter what. So we talked in the Window on the West on that brief image you get at sunset in that moment, in that area, in that cave. Right. Same thing here. In this brief moment, like we get this image, but it doesn't last. And Frodo's saying, like, they cannot conquer forever. Ah, uh, this is. It's like the Frodo's. Well, I think Frodo's right. I don't think it's actually. I, the more I thought about it, it's not that Frodo's wrong. He is right. They cannot conquer forever. But he just hasn't seen the full picture yet. So maybe at first. We don't actually. It's interesting. We don't know what Frodo thinks upon night falling here. So we're sort of left to imagine. Does he just take that hopeful thought and run with it? But let's say for a minute that maybe he is like the reader and maybe sees this as as a sort of like, oh, maybe I'm wrong because darkness has come and I don't see the image anymore. But the thing is, even if Sauron and evil cannot conquer forever, mankind's works cannot last forever either. And that's what this statue is. Uh, even if it's got a little bit of nature there with the flowers and stuff, it, it still represents, I think, sort of a human achievement which also will not last forever. So the they here, Frodo's thinking of Sauron and Mordor. I'm thinking like he might be more right to think about as well any person, any like mortal's hmm. works. 
obviously he didn't mean that, but I think it, it works both ways. And it's a good reminder for the reader to remember both those things. Now, remember too, back in Window on the West, chapter Faramir's line, that there is something beyond Elvenholm. Specifically, sorry, he says, that which is beyond Elvenholm and will ever be. So what this book, I think, is leading us toward is something that actually isn't stated, I don't believe, at least in book four, but it's going to come back in book six. I think there's a payoff to Faramir saying that line. I think there's a payoff to the window in the West. I think there's a payoff to this scene here, and it's not here yet. We're going to see it. But Faramir hinted at it a couple chapters ago, that there's something beyond Elvenholm and will ever be. That's not temporary. It is lasting. But we haven't seen it yet. It's not the window in the West. It's not this statue. There's something else, and we'll get to it later. And I'm excited, book six, when I think, I know I know what line I'm thinking of, and I think there's a moment that this all pays off, and we'll get there. But I think it's just a great, really cool moment. Um, so we said we wouldn't, this might be a short discussion, but um, maybe <laughs> we will be wrong. Every time, I swear <laughs> to God. Um, this part is amazing, right? I, I love the uh, throwback that you mentioned to um, the... Uh, waterfall in the in the uh, Faramir's hold where there's this moment of time where the light shines perfectly through and they see the display there and here yep. you, they have this one moment where the sun breaks through um, this is actually they are in uh, an area where the sun during the day is it's just dark it's dark all the yep. time and but there is this moment of sun that comes through I actually I, I didn't think about that but I liked what you mentioned about the statue being sort of an Ozymandias mm-hmm. like a like thing I like that the crown of flowers is described as small white stars. This is yep. another instance of the celestial uh, yep. being reflected on on Earth as stars. We saw on the uh, lands outside of Theoden's lands, uh, where the our companions, the uh, the fellowship was coming through to to meet Theoden. Um, well, I say fellowship. I, I mean Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, and Gandalf. When the flowers uh, on the way to Theoden's Hall were described as stars. By the way, I think that star imagery is also going to be part of the payoff in book six. Yes. And I'm pretty sure if you've read the book, you now know exactly which line I think we're building toward. But absolutely, I think that's that's where we're going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, And something else that that I thought about when I was reading this um, is that this is like on the Barrow Downs with the the Barrow White Wigget. Yeah. The Barrow Wigget. Who uh, the wicked, uh, the Barrow dude? um, That he has this conversation, this this battle, right? It's a word battle, but he has this battle with um, Tom Bombadil, where he is continuously saying, "Oh, and evil will conquer, and night will come, and all things will die." And then Tom Bombadil has this, "Yes, but then, then life again." And then it that actually, let me find the line real quick. Cold be hand and heart and bone, and cold be sleep under stone. Never mare to wake on stony bed, never, till the sun fails and the moon is dead. In the black wind the stars will die, and still on gold here let them lie, till the dark lord lifts his hand over dead sea and withered land. Uh, and Tom Bombadil, when he makes his way uh, there, he replies, Get out, you old white. Vanish in the sunlight. Shrivel like the cold mist, like the winds go wailing. Out into the barren lands, far beyond the mountains. Come never here again. Leave your barrow empty. Lost and forgotten be, darker than the darkness, where the gates stand forever shut till the world is mended. And so 
there is sort of a uh, response here. Like there is this till the star, like the stars die, right? And then you have, yep. and you have the world mended again. And the, the, the darkness is not a final darkness. Absolutely, I love it. It's it's so great how Tolkien weaves this theme throughout the the book. I really think it's impressive. I I don't know how many other books you can say you spend this long with, and you have so many little moments that you can come back to over and over, and you get to see how they uh, are in dialogue with each other and are confirming the same thing, uh, even when it doesn't seem explicit. And let's see. Oh, one last thing I did think I wanted to mention. I think the crossroads uh, as a location is is just great. Um, I get such a yeah. visceral feeling of they are in this land with no sound. Well, they end up do hearing thunder of some sort, but no natural sounds, and it's a quiet, barren place. Uh, of activity and they enter in this surprise crossroads that's just this uh the, the line is uh, at length they reached the trees and found that they stood in a great roofless ring open in the middle to some to the somber sky and the spaces between their immense bowls were like the great dark arches of some ruined hall in the very center four ways met and so you have this just abandoned place uh there are a lot of abandoned places in lord of the rings and i i like that quite a bit yeah all right, well, that's that's all I had. Great, yeah, uh, that's all I had. Let's knock it out. Favorite line real quick. Mine is kind of a funny line, and it was done really well, by the way, in Peter Jackson's adaptations. They plucked this line out of the chapter. I thought it was great, and they did a great job with it. Small little bit of light humor, I think, in a pretty dark uh, book um, where Sam is talking to Gollum, and he says, uh, it can't be at tea time even. Leastways, not in decent places where there is tea time. Silly, hissed Gollum. We're not in decent places. Uh, I think that's funny. I think it was meant to be funny, at least. Yeah. I don't know. I took it as that. It's just humorous. Um, like, it's it's classic understatement, right? We're not in decent places. Right. Uh, no, you're not. Not at all. So, yeah. What about you? Uh, I think my favorite line was the, they cannot conquer forever. The short, okay. but powerful. Absolutely. All right. Um, We are going to, so looking ahead, we are going to talk more about some some old shit said about Tolkien. We haven't done one of those in a while. We're not going to do it this episode. We'll do it another episode. But don't worry, we have not forgotten. We just need some time because we have some doozies. Uh, this episode, I did want to quickly touch on that there is a new trailer for the Tolkien movie. So the second trailer is out. And it, it looks interesting. It looks like it could be a little over dramatic at parts. We'll see. Um, please go check that out. It looks like it's definitely only focusing on Tolkien's like early life up to the First World War, which makes sense because after that he didn't really do much that was that exciting. I think it would make a boring movie. So we'll see. It, it definitely looks a little overwrought, like I said, in terms of Tolkien and his friends are talking about we're going to change the world through through art and writing. And it's like, okay, let's all right. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> slow down there, children. No. Um, uh, but of course, you know those trailers. You never know if they're that's how it's actually going to go or not. But. I don't know. It could be interesting. It could be interesting. So I will I will see um, what I think when I see it. And then finally, though, uh, we have one listener submitted question, which was it was given to me in person. And actually, I don't even think this person meant for it to be a question on the podcast. But I actually thought it was a good question that is worth talking about on the podcast. Because I've heard it before, which is, how do we record this podcast? Which is to say, mm -hmm. we're not in the same room, right? Um, that's essentially what I was asked. And so, no, um, for what it's worth, we record this separately. I, I live in Connecticut currently, and, and 
Pip, uh, you can choose. Well, let's not let's not tell people where (laughs) where I live. The point is, he doesn't live where I live. So what we do is what we're currently doing is we are on like a a video chat, and each of us is recording our own audio on our computers in in an audio track, and then Pip sends me his audio track. I just put them together in Audacity. It's just an audio editing program that's cheap and free and well cheap i mean it's it's free so yeah uh but it's it's free and i just put the two tracks together and you know clean it up a little bit like clean up pips uh swearing all the time and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh that's it so yeah it's that's how we do it so we, we are not in person and if anyone knows of a better way to do it, let me know. But that's currently what we do. <laughs> if anybody knows Charlie's address, just uh, send me. Send that as a reader question. That would be creepy. All right. All right. Next up, we have book four, chapter eight, The Stairs of Kirith Ungol. See you then. <laughs>